Okay, if you would please turn to 1 John at the back of your Bible. In a moment I'll be reading 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. But if you're here, remember last week I asked you to picture yourself 2,000 years ago sitting and eating in a small room with the Apostle John and ask him this, John, if you love me, will you tell me something that is crucial for me to know? He did that. He answered the question in verses 1 to 4. Get Jesus right theologically. He is the eternal one with the Father who became a human being. And so now this morning, I want you to still sit there in that room and say, okay, I know. That's my confession. I mean, I believe that. I hold to that. I've been a Christian for years. But John, I'm going to ask you something now. How does a person know that they, in particular, are having fellowship with the Father and with the Son? How do they know? How, how, does, a, how does a woman, how does a man, a boy and a girl know that they are connected savingly with God? And John again looks the smile on his face because he loves the question and he answers it like this. This is the message that we have heard from the beginning that God is light. And in Him, there is no darkness at all. And so, if we say that we have fellowship with Him while we are walking in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. Let's pray. Father, I pray for every soul in here that You have brought into the light, that You make us believe this. That the power of grace will overcome us. That those who are in the dark, would You shine the light of salvation in their hearts to see the beauty and the glory of this Savior. And so, to that end, help me communicate the complexities of what we find here and how it works in our lives to the glory of Your name. Amen. Look down at your text there. See verse 5. Verse 5 is the foundation of the passage. And then really from verse 6 all the way to 10 is the logical 
inference, or in other words, the practical reality that flows out of verse 5. Verses 6 and 7 say, this is the result of the truth of the message of verse 5. And then we'll come back next week and see in verses 8 to 10, it's a clarification of verses 6 and 7 so that we don't draw wrong conclusions about it. So, let's start with the foundation, verse 5. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Okay, what does that mean? That God is light. It means He has not left us in the dark concerning Himself and His salvation. Or, in other words, the One who is the essence of all truth has shone, like shined, into the world about the truth. There's a sense in which, by light, John means truth. Just look at the next verse. Verse 6. He makes it clear. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. There it is. I mean, he could have said, because this is the flow, isn't it? With this, with this metaphor of darkness and light. If we say we have fellowship with Him when walking in darkness, we lie and we're not walking according to the light. That's what he means. Except here, in verse 6, he inserts the word truth in the place of light. So it seems to be crystal clear in John's mind that light means the truth. God is truth. He's the measure of all truth. He didn't hide Himself, but He shine the light of the truth for centuries by revealing Himself through the prophets and ultimately revealing Himself by becoming a human being. That's what we read last week. See verse 2? The life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. Meaning, Jesus, God the Son, became a human being. He is the light of the world. Okay. But in verse 5, John chose the word light, not the word truth that he'll use in verse 6. I think in order to show us that the truth of the Gospel... The truth of Jesus Christ is like the light going on. And we see where we didn't see before for everyone who belongs to Christ. The light is shining. You can see everything around you more clearly. What is salvation? And what is the pathway I am to walk daily? And that's why the light 
leads John to talk about walking in the darkness where you stumble. Go to the bathroom at night and you don't turn the light on in the hallway and the kid left something there and your toe goes smack because you are walking in the darkness. You can't see and thus walk according to the path of truth. So, walking in the truth of Scripture is walking in the light so that you can see the path and see all of the obstacles and you can see a little turn in the path off of this path that will lead you to abandon Christ. You need the light so you don't go down that road to eternal destruction. There's the foundation. God is light in Him. There is no darkness at all. Now notice carefully. Verses 6 and 7. For John, they now give the practical fallout of the truth of verse 5. Because God is light. Because God is truth that shines and is clear. Therefore, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, 6, the negative. Verse 7, the positive. Let's look at the negative first. Verse 6. Because God is light, He is truth, there's no darkness in Him. Therefore, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So what does he mean here about to walk in darkness? The verb to walk in the Greek is present tense. The Greek present carries with it not just happening now, but it carries with it the idea of a continuous action, an ongoingness pattern. What does it mean, therefore, to ongoingly be walking every day, waking up and living your life in darkness? Well, let's just ask John what he means. John, what do you mean? He means what he said in chapter 2, verses 8 to 11. Notice his language. Starting with verse 8 of 2, John says, The darkness, there's his word again, The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides, lives, remains in the light. And in Him, there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. I hope you can see from John here clearly that 
in chapter 1 about walking in darkness, like walking in darkness here, it at least means this. When you walk in the light, it means you're loving other believers. When you're walking in darkness, it means you're hating other believers. Now, but there's something underneath the loving acts toward other human beings or just despising them and hating them. There's something underneath that that John tells us. Look look again at verse 8 of chapter 2. He says, the darkness is passing away. Now, this, this, Jesus has come into the world to bring the kingdom. He is the light of the world. When He came in history, born of Mary in 4 B.C., preaching in the 30s A.D. and being crucified, something was happening. And with His coming, something significant in redemptive history has happened. And at that point, the darkness did not disappear. But it is on its way out. And the light with the Gospel of Jesus has been shining since and they're existing side by side until He returns. This is what He's talking about. So hear Him again. The darkness is, here's His term, passing away. Now jump down to verse 17. And the world is, here's His term again, The world is passing away along with its desires. So so by darkness, He means hating which comes from desires. Or loving which comes from desires when you're walking in the light. Following that? No, No, not one nod. Yes, a nod. Therefore, walking in darkness for John means being led by desires for this world. The world is passing away with its desires. It's the desires for this world over desire for God who is light. Walking in darkness is daily living by the desires that say the things of this world to me like envy, jealousy, backbiting, hating other believers, love of money and things, and immoral sex. They're more desirable than God. Than light than the Gospel. Think about it. See, in order to continue in a pathway unrepentantly, in order to continue to make daily decisions in the darkness, one must strategize on how to keep the truth of the light shut out (laughs) so that they can go on living. Day after day, week after week, month after month, just living by the natural, fleshly, worldly, sinful desires. You see, the only way that human beings 
I don't know, for me it was five, at least by six, seven, eight. We all come to the realization we're mortal, we're dying. I mean, the only way that we sinful human beings can just walk the road of this life while all the while there's a package on the side of the road saying, grace, eternal forgiveness of all your sins and eternal joy offered freely to you in the one object in all existence that is most enjoyable, God Himself. The only way human beings walk that road and ignore the passage, the package, and choose the fleeting pleasures of sin is because there's no light to see the package for what it really is. See, those who continue in a lifestyle walking the road of darkness are like Schmeagol in The Lord of the Rings. The ring to him brought such overwhelming attraction and pleasure And he became obsessed with that immediate attraction. But if you know the story, it was his ultimate downfall. Destruction. When the light of the sun shines and he's by a pond and he sees his reflection, he sees that the ring of darkness has caused him to be an emaciated, godless creature. He chose the ring because of the darkness. He was blinded to what the ring would actually do to him. That's the road. But this is a willful darkness. This is how Jesus said it in John 3.19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So like cockroaches, they, they flee when the light of the Gospel comes on. Or they twist the Gospel to mean something. It doesn't. So when we walk in darkness, it means we're being controlled by our worldly, our fleshly, natural, sinful desires which are against the desires that the Holy Spirit is producing. Or you can just say this, They're against the desires of the road that the Holy Spirit has written through the prophets and the apostles called the Holy Scripture. That walk in darkness is the opposite of walking in fellowship with God. Fellowship with God means you see the light shine. You can see the path. And you walk with God in the way that He sees the path you ought to walk. Your, let me say it this way. It, your direction is the opposite of the direction of darkness. 
You're walking in a direction desiring what God has laid out for you on the pathway now for the rest of your life. If we are walking in a continual direction by being controlled by desires for the world over God, and that's the direction of our lives, then it doesn't matter if we say we have fellowship with God in Jesus. We don't. That's the negative, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in the darkness, while that's happening, this continuous pattern we lie and do not practice the truth. Now the positive. On the other hand, verse 7, but if we walk, again, present continuous action, if we are walking in the light as He, God, is in the light, then what? Then we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. So, according to John, walking in the light is the opposite of walking in the darkness. So it must mean seeing reality clearly. Seeing the desirability of God and of His promises in Christ and the direction that He is leading us to live in. See, when the, the light of new birth goes on, a person was dead, now they're alive. Or as Paul said it in 2 Corinthians, God has shown the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. In our hearts, something, the, when, the, when the light goes on, it means He's given us new desires. It means there's something within us by God Himself, the Spirit, that is attracted to the light of truth of the Gospel. He's given us new taste buds for eternal joy and salvation in Christ. It's come on. I see it. can't believe it. This is so awesome. What Good news is Jesus, my substitute, who died for me in my sin and put it away and was raised from the dead. And He offered it freely, saying, come unto Me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened. I'll give you eternal rest. And I've come. Look at that. That's new birth. And then there's a walk. There's a pathway. There's a lifestyle that necessarily follows. And this epistle of 1 John is written to describe what that lifestyle looks like and to make it very clear that that lifestyle is not legalism. It comes from the light shining in our hearts by the person of the Holy Spirit. That's 1 John. 
Now, if you're still there, look at verse 7. John makes it very clear in verse 7 that there are two things that go with walking in the light. The first is while we are walking in the light, we are having koinonia, or fellowship with each other as believers. The second thing that He shows us is that while we're walking in the light, Jesus' blood is cleansing us from all sin. So let's look at the first first. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Okay. What does the one another here mean? Does it mean fellowship with God or fellowship with each other? Both are absolutely true in 1 John and in the first chapter. Okay? I mean, you would th- look at verse 6 where he's basically said that walking in darkness means you do not have fellowship with God. So you would think in verse 7 that's what he means. If you walk in the light, we have fellowship with God, which is a truism. Okay, remember, look at verse 3 from last week. He said, so that you too may have fellowship with us. Okay, there's the horizontal fellowship of Christians. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. So walking in the light is the condition of having fellowship with God and fellowship with one another as believers. But, okay, both could be true, and it could mean either one of them, verse 7. But I lean toward thinking John is emphasizing that our walking, our living in the light leads to our fellowship with one another in the body of Christ. See, most of us, if you've been a Christian long enough, you, you know the dynamic. I mean, the light is turned on. You come to Christ. You wake up every day. I can't look at your hands like a baby because you're like a baby Christian. I can't. It's amazing. I, I love Him. You open in the Bible. You're so excited to read it. You're devouring the New Testament epistles. Every day you wake up walking this path and you find out, lo and behold, you're not the only one. You have an affinity with all these other people that are walking this path because you have a fellowship, a koinonia, which means you have a common bond over something that's bigger than both of you. God, Christ, the Gospel. It's just there. And, and, and you know from experience, sometimes people jump off that path. And they go down another path of following unrepentantly the natural sinful desires of the world and of their flesh and of their lifestyle choices. And that koinonia, that fellowship, is no longer there. Even if you try, just something's not here. You can't be walking hand in hand in fellowship down the path of life when the other person is walking in exactly the opposite direction. That's the first thing John says that accompanies 
walking in the light is you're not alone. There's fellowship with others who are walking in the light. And then the second thing. Notice, John makes a connection between the way we live and walk and being cleansed from sin. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. What in the world do we do with that one? If we're walking in the light, it's a present tense, continuous, ongoing action or pattern of walking, living, then the blood is cleansing us. He doesn't say here, if you are positionally in Jesus, then the blood cleanses you. He says, the way you are living your life daily, that's what the text says. So what does it mean? Okay, here, here, here's some really valid options. When he says, as we are living the Christian life, walking in the light, and the truth. Is he meaning that then that means the blood of Jesus, Jesus' sacrificial death is powerful, don't you see? And what he did on the cross is working something in you on this road of life. In other words, it is causing you to not be going down the path of darkness or in an unrepentant, sinful lifestyle, but you are going down the path of light. In other words, the blood of Christ is powerfully cleansing your remaining sinfulness in your life. Now, does it mean that? Does that make sense? Okay. Or does it mean that as you are in that process, your sins are being blotted out. Does it refer to ongoing, progressive sanctification? I'll get there in a second if it means nothing to you yet. Does it mean ongoing, progressive sanctification? Or does it refer to the connection and the effects of justification. Let me give you a quote first. To just know that the struggle of, okay, John, what are you saying? John Stott, in his commentary on 1 John, he writes, quote, The second result of walking in the light is that the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. The verb suggests that God does more than forgive. He erases the stain of sin. And the present tense shows that it is a continuous process. But what sin needs to be cleansed if we walk in the light? And so, 
Alford, another commentator, aware of this difficulty, insists that here and in verse 9, cleansing indicates sanctification distinct from justification. Can we pause for a moment? By justification, this is not just a theological word. It is a New Testament word that Paul's very fond of. By justification, we mean that at the moment a sinner comes to saving faith in Christ. Whether you can know that second or not is irrelevant. But the light has gone on and you received Jesus as your Savior. You just... Whoa, you hear the Gospel. The more you hear it, the more you love it. That's me. Okay. The moment you came alive to Christ, you were once and for all justified before God. Meaning, not something that's happening in you, but something happened in God concerning you. You, before God, are absolutely guiltless of all sin because His Son paid the price. It's over with. And not only that, His Son, who became a human being, lived perfectly in His humanity before God, perfectly righteous. And His perfect sinless living has also been put to your account or imputed to you. Nothing's going on in you in justification right here. Faith caused that in God. That's once and for all. Your sins are gone. You are absolutely forgiven. The, the eternal wrath of God that was hanging over your head has been once and for all removed. Okay, that's justification. Sanctification is something going on inside of those who have been justified. It is the ongoing process. See, the Greek word we get sanctification from hagios has to do with holiness or growing in holiness and hating your sin. And there's fruits in your life that Jesus talks about or Paul talks about. That's sanctification. Okay, so justification is a one-time instantaneous event in God concerning you. Sanctification is the ongoing process of the Christian life. Okay? Now, so what's, he go, what's going on here? Is he only just talking about sanctification or is, is there a connection somehow to those who are justified? Okay. Just sticking with the text in front of us of 1 John 1, verse 7 in the whole context. I cannot totally rule out either one. Because they are distinct. Justification and sanctification are distinct from one another, but they are not ultimately disconnected. Now this is what I mean. First of all, let's, let's go with the hypothesis that okay, John, by your sins being cleansed, he doesn't mean like, I just blotted your sin out. You would have gone to hell if you would have died there, but you confessed it and, or something and now it's gone. But, but, but that he means your sin 
nature and flesh is being worked on in sanctification by the power of Jesus' blood. Go with that for a minute. Could John mean that? Absolutely. Because he clearly says this in this little letter. So, so for instance, if you jump forward to chapter 3, starting with verse 8, listen to what John says. Whoever makes a practice of sinning. This is a life of unrepentant, sinful patterns and ah, don't bug me. Kind of. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God, Jesus, appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And therefore, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in Him. And He cannot keep on sinning because He has been born of God. Okay, so John's crystal clear there. He came to undo a particular lifestyle of sinning. And that means that Jesus came, not only, which He certainly did, was to put away the guilt that will damn us to hell forever. He did that, but that's not all He came to do. He also came in those who are His sheep to break the bond of sin nature that absolutely used to control our lives and now we find ourselves schizophrenic. Now we have new desires for righteousness and yet our old desires for sin are there. But something significant has been snapped or broken. So in other words, Jesus came and He died on the cross not just to justify us, but to sanctify us. The ongoing effect of Christ's blood is to cleanse our hearts in such a way that we cannot be content to go on sinning unrepentantly. This is how the Hebrew writer says that. Listen to the blood of Christ here. How much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God. Okay, we'll get rid of that right there for a minute so you can see the connection. How much more will the blood of Christ purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? That has to do with something going on in our conscience, in our desires, and it produces a path or action from dead works to serve God. He says the blood of Christ does that. So John absolutely could be meaning that path of light working in us. Or in other words, sanctification. But verse 7 may also refer to the evidence of justification. Meaning all of our sins have been absolutely blotted out when it comes to how we stand legally with God. The courtroom of God. They're gone. 
They're not against us anymore. Jesus nailed them to the cross. How do you know? Because you're walking in the light. In other words, let me just re-say it this way. If we walk in the light, then this forgiveness of justification is true of you. Is John saying that? Could be. Look at verse 9. Look down at verse 9. Notice what he goes on to say. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay. Right there, John says, sins are forgiven on the condition of confessing them. So, in verse 7, he says, if this, then that. Verse 9, if this, then that. Verse 7, if you are walking in the light, then the blood of Jesus is cleansing your sins. Verse 9, if you are confessing your sins, then... God the Father is forgiving your sins. And therefore, the essence of walking in the light is confessing your sins today. Hope you're following that. Which means walking in the light for Christians here doesn't mean walking in perfection or sinlessness. Can't mean that. Because then verse 7 wouldn't make sense. Those who are walking in the light of sinlessness are being cleansed from all their sins. That doesn't make any sense. No. But those who are walking in the light are those who sin and are confessing them. Because they hate them. They are in the light. They love their Savior. They're Roman 7 people. That which I want to do, I find my flesh saying, no, go the other way. And that which I don't want to do, I find my flesh saying, no, go the other way. And I have a battle. See, if living in the light meant sinless perfection in your daily walk, there would be no need for cleansing in verse 7. Or forgiving in verse 9. And in between them in verse 8, John warns professing Christians, do not misunderstand this, saying, if we have a theology that says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Okay. Therefore, walking in the light 
is this pattern of life of hating the sin that we give into and naming it and confessing it. That there is a crucial aspect of what it means to be walking in the light. And then verse 9 makes forgiveness dependent on that walking in the light of confessing sins. And so, I think the cleansing of all sin is not separated ultimately from justification. It's not merely sanctification. That is happening. But it's connected to justification. Because John connects it in verse 9 clearly to the forgiveness of sins. That leads to the question, how are sanctification, the Christian life, the process, how is sanctification connected to justification? I can't earn anything. Justification means Jesus saves sinners based on nothing they have ever done or will do. He did it. He comes to get you and He shines the light in your heart and you hear into the Gospel and you're saved forever. Absolutely. It's biblical. You better hold on to that. How is that connected to the doctrine of sanctification? Walking in the light. Well, the Apostle John connects them in chapter 1 here with the if-then construction. If you're walking in the light, then your sins are being cleaned up. Verse 9, forgiven. But, unlike the Apostle Paul, John doesn't seem to care here or bother with the question, which comes first? The chicken or the egg? Justification or sanctification? Paul, he's very clear on that issue. Justification comes first. And it comes by faith. A genuine, saving faith. And you are justified. And then Paul has no problem going on to say, and those who are really saved, that faith will then be evidencing itself imperfectly, but in a walk or in a life of sanctification. That's Paul. Justification comes first. But the Apostle John here in chapter 1 is just concerned with saying the truth of this. True Christians walk in a certain way. And it is those who are saved. It is those who are being cleansed. It is those who are forgiven. He just says it like that. So if we are not walking in the light, John is saying, do not fool yourself. I mean, it may be true, but while you're walking in the light, at that moment, we are to have no biblical grounds for believing that our sins are being cleansed or washed. Or in other words, no assurance of salvation as you're going in the opposite direction and not putting on the brakes. See, there's a doctrine. Well, there's lots of doctrines. Oh, gosh, 
But there's a doctrine that's floated around in American evangelicalism now for a hundred years that essentially says, did you ask Jesus into your heart? Okay, you're saved. It's grace of God that's there. Now when it comes to the law or how you live, you, you ought to do better, you ought to live better, but whatever you do for the rest of your life is totally and absolutely irrelevant to whether you will make it to heaven or not. And it just doesn't stand up to the New Testament. There are those who mean it, and they mean it with all their heart, and they got the gospel wrong. Gospel is by grace alone, which it is. If you know me, you know it is by grace alone. You can't save yourself. He saves you. But by what they go on to say is, therefore, what's happening in your life from coming to faith in Jesus until they put you in a casket doesn't mean a hill of beans concerning salvation. Ah, that, just, that only has to do with discipleship. You're just a carnal Christian. But you're in because you asked Jesus to come into your heart. See, John was dealing with this kind of an issue with a theological backdrop to it in his day. And there are different theological backdrops that come out the same way today. With John, it was that philosophy that, you know what, the spirit and the soul are so disconnected and the body and everything physical is evil and therefore what you do with your body or who you have sex with in your body or how you treat other human beings and bodies, it's irrelevant. I have fellowship with God. He says, no, you don't. Or today, it's just different doctrines and butchering the Gospel of Paul, the grace of God. They say it doesn't matter. So in John's day and today, there are those who say they are having fellowship with God through Christ and salvation. And yet, they live ongoingly in love with the world and not in love with God. And it's evidenced by their lifestyle of walking in the darkness They are deceived. They lie. And they do not practice the truth. And the blood of Jesus is not cleansing them. Okay, so how is it then that we could be justified before God? And you, Christian, believe this. If you're His, the wrath of God has been removed. The wrath which is coming on Judgment Day of an eternal damnation has been removed from you. Never to come back. That's justification. But we want to be biblical. So how do we believe that? And yet, still need to go on confessing our daily sins in order to be forgiven. Verse 7, walk in a light, your sins are being cleansed. Verse 9, we confess them, He forgives them. Jesus, how should we pray? Pray this way. Forgive us our sins, our debts. As we are on the road of light. 
as we forgive those who have sinned against us. So, are all of our sins already forgiven? Or are they forgiven day by day as we confess them? It's a huge question, isn't it? The answer depends, I think, on what we mean by the question. Does that question mean, when, when was our forgiveness of all our sins secured or purchased? Or does it mean, when will our forgiveness be applied to each transgression in order to remove God's displeasure of it? I know this sounds like a seminary class. I have no other way to deal with this text than to talk this way this morning. And I think numbers of you are knowing this is really important to how I live. Here's, let me go at it this way. The wrath of God for every born again person is removed. You have been, you are You don't need to be ever again, but you already are justified by faith alone. The wrath of God is removed from you. The confession of sin in the walk of light is not, oh, oh, the wrath of God came on me again because look how angry sinfully I got. I did this, that, or the other, and they are sin. Uh Uh-oh, if I die now, I'm going to go to hell because His wrath is on me and I didn't ask, I might die before I ask for forgiveness. No. So what do I think is happening here? I think that because God has brought His children into fellowship with Him, that now the walk, as you as a justified person, as your sins have already absolutely been removed to ever bring God's wrath, but as a father, He disciplines. Oh, as a father, He is displeased. And fellowshipping with Him is not ignoring how we displease Him, but it is a communication and a heart that is confessing those sins that displease the Father. And as we do, that's the walk of light. As we do, He's, I forgive you. See, every time my wife sins against me, it's not you better ask for forgiveness or I'm going to divorce you. That's not what we're talking about. That issue was settled the day we did our vows. That's not happening. It doesn't mean we don't confess and have fellowship and want to grow deeper in relationship with one another. And therefore, when I offend her and ask her to forgive me, that is part of a dynamic of fellowship. And then when I forgive, she says, I mean, when I ask for forgiveness, she says, I forgive you. And she wipes it away. That's the dynamic that's happening. See, when a person first comes to Christ, there is this sense of that initial repentance when they're justified. Peter, what must we do to be saved? He answers in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. 
Believe on the Lord Jesus and be baptized so that your sins may be forgiven. Okay. Wiped away. Then in the Christian life, there's the ongoing renewal of repentance and faith for those who are justified. And as John says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us. He so enjoys to. He's removing His fatherly displeasure day by day. But not removing His wrath. He's already done that if you're a believer. So this ongoing, present forgiveness in our daily lives is the response to our confession and walking in the light of confessing sins. And God forgives and removes His fatherly displeasure. Let me just sum it up this way. The dynamic of this Christian life. The believer is a person who is united to God, to Christ. Holy Spirit's come in. They're born of God. That's how John puts it. A believer is a person who by Christ has been united to God by the new covenant in Jesus' blood. And therefore, those persons walk in the light. Because the new covenant purchased their walking in the light. Just listen, just two more minutes. Jeremiah prophesies about the new covenant that we're living in. In Jeremiah 32:40, God says through him, "I will make with them an everlasting covenant." that I will not turn away from doing good to them. I will put the fear of Me in their hearts so that they may not turn from Me. That's what Jesus purchased. Just one more. Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. Concerning the new covenant in Jesus' blood. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will put within you this spirit and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put My Spirit within you and I will cause you to walk in the light. Well, he didn't say the light there, okay? But it's what he means. He just said it this way. I will cause you to walk in My statutes and to be careful to obey My rules. That's the new covenant. Therefore, since the wrath of God and eternal forgiveness of all of our sins, past, present, and future is secured by the new covenant in Jesus' blood. Therefore, according to the new covenant, God is totally committed to bring us back to repentance and confession of sins 
and walking in the light and on that path as often as is necessary in our mortal, undone, imperfect, sinful lives in order that we may prove we are new covenant people. That we belong to Him. That I have been justified. And that ongoingly, relationally, with God the Father and God the Son, His displeasure is being removed because of the offense of our sin. That's Christianity. And since that is the truth of the Gospel, of the New Covenant, therefore the Apostle John has no problem telling the truth by simply saying, this is the message we have heard from Him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. So, if we say we have fellowship with Him while we are walking in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. What a Gospel. Come unto Me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden, and you know that death and judgment is coming, and I give you eternal rest. And that's why we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a moment. We're going to partake of His body and His blood which is our salvation. It's the blood of the new covenant that is promised. And we have seen it fulfilled as believers. He came and got us and He will keep us walking till the end. So if you're in here and you're a baptized believer in the Lord Jesus, feel free to partake and take the bread and the cup as they come. Hold them. We'll pray over them. Partake together. Oh, Father, You're good. Your grace is magnificent. You will never cease to do us good because Your Son came and shed His blood to enact that promise. And therefore, You are absolutely faithful to Your Son and to His cross. And therefore, You will forgive us every sin. Because we, as broken children, confess them. You're good, Father. Shine Your light ever brighter. May the pathway of light not seem so narrow but seem seem like it's broad. May we walk down the center and not the edges to the glory of the light of Your Son shining through us in this dark, dying and perishing world. Amen.